All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Mormon Sisters edition with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Here for the month of October. October. I really had to pause and remember what month we're in. You're suffering from COVID brain. It's still October. It's still October. (laughs) No, what's more important is it's still 2020. (laughs) The year that will never end. Yes. Yes. But life is going on. We had conference. You guys did a great job with your conference recap. Yes, we did miss you, but we understand the other commitments. Yes. And now we're back at church. Church seems to be moving forward in lots of places in our country. Okay, so what's happening now in your stake? With your ward? Um, Our ward just barely started the past two Sundays every week. Okay, so are you? Do you have multiple meetings uh, every week? We are have, you divided up, or just one meeting? We have one meeting every week now, and they open up the gym all the way back to the stage okay. and put all of the chairs like like it's state conference. Yes, with like the chairs few and far between. Yes, <laughs> and then of course the rows. Every other row in the chapel is taped off, and um, our bishop got very very specific about wear your mask or please don't come. Really? Because he had been kind of hesitant. Okay. We were going once a month um, to like lay a heavy hand on that, I think. On the mask wearing. Yeah. He just, he wanted, I don't know if he just wanted everybody to feel welcome, but when um, he said, we're going to do this every week now and we're going to do full congregation. Now they're also putting it on Zoom. Yes. So that anybody who wants to can stay home. But um, I thought he worded it really well in the email. He basically said the first presidency in this letter, because the first presidency uh-huh. sent a letter to all of the stakes, I guess. Across. Oh, okay. Now that I had not heard. And in the letter had said, you encouraged them to go back to some type of regular, meeting. regularly scheduled meeting. Okay. Whatever form that may be with in accordance to local guidelines. Okay. So he just emphasized that, you know, in this letter, they hit on, you know, being safe and wearing masks and, you know, washing hands Uh and being distant and all of the precautions. And so he said, because of that, I am asking you all to wear a mask. And if you don't want to, you know, listen to it on Zoom kind of a thing. Interesting. So I know you have some anti-maskers in your ward. How how what, how has that gone over? I think we have a handful, but none of them were ever in my set. My session, I was in one of the oh, three sessions okay. when we were doing it once a month. Our session, pretty much everybody masked okay. up. But so you heard about the anti-maskers. But I heard there were some in some of the other, other sessions, sessions. Okay. and I, ever, as far as I've seen, everyone's been masked up. Okay, or missing. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> that is always an option as well, especially yes. if it's on Zoom. There's lots of options, so and which I think is good. I think everybody can be happy this way, right? Exactly. There's options for all. I mean, exactly. Well, rumor has it, and again, I'm, I'm going to be totally gossipy right now. Mm-hmm. Rumor has it that in my stake in one of the wards, uh, a family showed up with masks and another family showed up without masks, and the without masks got masked masked shamed by the maskers and there was a full-out brawl at church over it no you are kidding again i've 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 this this is like you know i mean it's hearsay i have particularly no first-hand knowledge of this but um given some of the sentiments i have heard um to me it is very plausible story (laughs) 
I, it just reiterates what I have said all along that, um, I feel very sorry for bishops right now. They are in a no win situation. And so I want to give my hats off to bishops because no matter what they do, they're going to have people who don't like it and are going to complain about it. And I think that we are all suffering from an enormous amount of COVID fatigue. I know that like I have a hair trigger right now. It does not take much to set me off. I know. There's so much. I think between just the general COVID stuff, the school situation, which is fraught no matter where you live. Yeah. The election tension. Oh, yeah. I just feel like we're all in a boiling pot right now (laughs) that is about to bubble over. Could you even say a pressure cooker? Are we in a pressure cooker to use a, uh, well, they use pressure cookers in a lot of things, but you know, when I think of pressure cookers, I think of my, our grandmother's canning. (laughs) Yes. So yeah. Anyway. All right. It's like pins and needles right now. Pins and needles. Pins and needles. Well, my ward did the same thing. We have resumed weekly sacrament Mm -hmm. meeting. There is one time that we go, same thing. It's opened all the way to the gym and, uh, it's available via Zoom if you don't feel comfortable attending in person. Okay, well, if you find out any more juicy gossip about the scuffle in your <laughs> about, state, about the rumble in Eagle, I would like to know. I'll see what I can Because this is intriguing to me. You know, I've got a friend in that ward. I need to reach out to her and say, what do you know about this? Is this fact or fiction? <laughs> this is fascinating social experiment exactly (laughs) okay all right well should we do some news stories let's do some news stories of course uh we i feel like we always lead off with the covid stories is Um, there really anything else (laughs) yeah We actually have a good variety. We this do. Week we do actually for the first have a time good variety. Wild, but we're not, of course, we cannot get yeah. through without some COVID stories. We're going to be minimal on COVID tonight All because right. we've got a lot of other stuff. Yes. Okay. So, top one is, of course, many people have probably heard this by now Elder Gong and his wife tested positive for COVID. And as we know, they were in quarantine during general conference because he'd been exposed, he'd been exposed to someone who had then, covid but he sh- yes but he hadn't tested, he hadn't positive, tested yet. positive yet shortly after that it was announced he tested positive they were recovering at home then um several days after that the church uh, released, or the Tribune did an article where they said that out of an abundance of caution, all members of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles were tested and all tests were negative. That came from the church spokesman, Eric Hawkins. So they tested everybody to be safe. They were good. And then in the meantime, just a couple of days ago, um, it was announced that Elder Gong and his wife have recovered and completed their quarantines and they are ready to face the world, I did notice on his social media page, I don't know if it was tweeting, Instagram, I'm not sure what it was, um, but he just did a like, thank you for all the well wishes, etc., etc. And then he said they'd completed their quarantines. And then he gave a little summary about um, he's looking forward to returning to his responsibilities with continued precautions. For example, wearing a mask, frequent hand washing, and social distancing. So he gave a little shout out in there to remind everybody of all of the things to say. doing. I'm going to set a very good example, and I'm going to wear a mask. I would suggest you do the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing that I think was interesting about those articles is it did say he had a very mild case. Yeah. Both mm-hmm. he and his wife had mild cases, which is, you know, 
lovely. I mean, not, I don't, lovely is not the right word, but best, I'm, best case scenario. Best case scenario yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they fall obviously, at least age wise, I don't know what their current health circumstances mm-hmm. are, at least age wise, fall into, you know, a higher risk group. Right. So, you know, I'm glad to hear that his case was mild. The other thing, too, that struck me is because they had a couple pictures of, of him and his wife, and I just haven't seen her as much as I've seen mm-hmm. him. She looks really young. She does look young. Like, she is well-preserved. I'm like, girlfriend, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm impressed. Yes, she does look very young. So, I mean, I don't think she's... She's probably within several years of him, uh but she just... She looks good. She's carrying it well. So, if anybody out there has inside information on her skincare routine. We'd like to know because Please pass it along. She's looking good. <laughs> um, I also just think it's interest it was interesting that they got everyone tested in the corn because I'm really curious and I've been wondering this whole time what they're doing as far as their meetings. Yes. I, I assumed it was all completely virtual. Yeah. Um, but now I'm curious like are they in person, but far away from each other and masked up. I'm just curious. You know, I'm curious too because you would think with the with the nature of what they talk about and the mm-hmm. confidentiality of what they talk about, that they would not in any way, shape, or form want to do a Zoom meeting. That's I mean, true. And, and Zoom can be secure, but you know, you would want to. You know, I don't know if there's other platforms out there right. or whatnot, or if they have their own, or if they have their system. own thing that yeah. they can absolutely control the security of, mm-hmm. so that they can make sure you know it's not being hacked into That's or secretly true. recorded. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I I think that would be their number one hesitation to doing anything electronically is mm-hmm. um, because of the sacred nature of the things that they talk about. You know, they don't want an an electronic footprint everywhere. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, how do you gather 15 men in a room and... And be socially distant. Although they were socially distanced in the the conference center at conference. They did a good job of that. So maybe they are all in a room and just kind of shouting loudly at each other. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. Very interesting. I would love some inside information on Yeah. So if anybody has any intel on that, we'd like to know that as well. How things are operating right now at church... HQ. Yes, or as I like to call it, One Church Plaza. (laughs) After, you know, I don't know if I've explained this before, there's one police plaza that they refer to in Law and Order, so I call it One Church Plaza. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't think I ever made that connection. You probably never made that connection. I just thought it was a catchy name. (laughs) But it is kind of a catchy name. You know, I could fly into Salt Lake and get in a taxi cab and go, take me to One Church Plaza. And I'm pretty sure the taxi cab driver would know exactly where I'm talking about. (laughs) And go, you bet. Downtown, we're headed. Well, there you go, folks. There's your law and order reference. For exactly. The night. All right, what's next? Okay, so our next story we've got two stories about missionaries. One is a very sad story, and the other actually started out as a sad story, but subsequently has a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, the first story is last week we had the church had a missionary who passed away. She was serving her mission in Switzerland, and she, I believe, was hiking on her P-Day, and she slipped and fell down a steep incline. She was with some other missionaries, so you can imagine oh, how traumatic awful. that would be for the missionaries that were with her. Her name is Annabelle Annabelle Nelson, and she was 20, and she was from Highland. Um, She'd actually been out serving in Switzerland since July of 2019, which means she was coming in on the end of her mission. Mm -hmm. You know, she'd been out there 
probably a good 15, 16 months. And she probably got to stay through. It did. It said she did get to stay through quarantine um, because we know a lot of those European missions, they didn't close them down. It did state in the article that she was inside during quarantine, you know, Mm -hmm. that they were in the apartments and, and, uh, teaching electronically, Mm -hmm. but, uh, very, very sad for her parents. Awful. There was a spokesman from their stake who Mm -hmm. said, you know, the parents are devastated as any parents would be, but are facing it with faith. And Mm -hmm. so our, our prayers go out to them. So that's our sad one. Now let's talk about our one that started out as sad, but kind of has a happy ending. You may recall back in August, and I think maybe we talked about this in our September podcast, because this literally happened just a couple of days after Shelby mm-hmm. came home from her mission. Um, there were two sister missionaries, I believe in the Dallas area, it was either Dallas or Houston, um, that in the middle of the night, about 4 a.m., this intruder stranger to them nobody that they know breaks into their apartment and starts to stab them it's crazy this is every parent's worst nightmare about Mm -hmm. what is going to happen to your sister missionary when she's out on a mission and so um they fought him off and but they both sustained some pretty severe wounds and then they were able to call for help and they were subsequently transported to the hospital the missionary that sustained the most significant wounds was a lady by the name of lauren willardson and it did say she was in houston this did Mm -hmm. happen in houston and um it says that, you know, when he came in, she she has a Facebook post that she posted mm-hmm. that went viral talking about this incident and the miracles that she's experienced as a result of it. She said, we fought and prayed, struggled for our lives for about 15 minutes until the man left. She was stabbed nine times. So they call 911. They're waiting for the ambulance. She says, while they're waiting for the ambulance, um, she remembered kind of starting to look around and notice all the places she'd been cut. Mm -hmm. Because when she's fighting with him, she had so much adrenaline in her system that although Mm -hmm. she was being stabbed, I'm not really sure how much she was aware of that. And so as she sits there, her limbs are tensing up. She looks down at her hand and she has a cut through her hand. And you know, you would think that would be alarming, but she said, as she looked at it, she says, I remember feeling the greatest peace as my mind instantly thought of a similar wound in the hands of one much greater than I. And, um, she talks about how there was a knife wound in her shoulder that if it had been turned Mm -hmm. a degree right or left, it would have sliced her main artery. And the doctor said, yeah, you would have bled out before the ambulance got there. And so just talks about that, even though, Obviously, this man has his free agency to act. Mm-hmm. The Lord can't stop somebody from exercising their agency to behave in a very bad way. But, you know, just some of the protections that they felt and the love that she felt. She is currently recovering, but she wants to return to the mission field as soon mm-hmm. as her doctors will let her. And so it's a, she had a really just kind of faith filled. Facebook post Mm -hmm. about the event. And uh, a lot of times we don't get the follow-up when these traumatic things happen. And so it was kind of nice to be able to read the follow-up and see that, uh, that she's doing well. Wow. And that's amazing that she wants to go back out. I know because I'd be like PTSD. (laughs) Really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, first of all, I, you know, I would think for myself or me, I'd have PTSD 
as her mother, if I had a daughter that that oh, happened, yeah. I'd be like, um, no, I'm chaining you to the house. You're staying here. Just stay here for a while. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to have a lot of faith to send my kid back out after that kind of experience. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, next article. This was in the Tribune by Peggy Fletcher Stack. And this was an article about a man named Ed Firmage, who is a, or was a Utah law professor, um, who died at 85. Um, I did not know who he was. Had you heard of him before? I had never heard of him. His name sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. I think he must teach at the University of Utah. Yeah. He was not a BYU professor. I would have known that. He taught at the University of Utah, and um, he passed away. And so Peggy Fletcher just wrote up this nice article on him. And I actually thought it was so interesting to learn about him, even though I'd never heard of him. He was pacifist, and he persuaded the church in the 1970s to oppose some MX missiles that the United States government was attempting to uh, put in the Utah desert. Really? They wanted that land in Utah to build a site to build these missiles, and uh, they were lobbying heavily for the church to get on board with this because they know if the church gets on board with this, the Utah politicians will get on board with this. Yes, folks. For those of you not familiar (laughs) with how politics is done in the state of Utah... Uh, despite what everybody says, it is really controlled by one church plaza. Now, let me, let me, let me give a caveat there. When I say controlled, they're not telling everybody what to do. They're, they're not, they're not that obvious about it. It's more in terms of they give the head nod to the things they like. They give the head nod to the things they don't. And the message is very well interpreted by the legislators as, Oh, they like this. They don't like that. We should fall in line accordingly. It is so fascinating. It's, it's so it's fascinating. Like the way things run in a foreign country. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and I'm not sure there's any other state in America where there is an organization outside of the legislature that has as much political power yeah. within the state as Utah does. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's very interesting. And again, they're never vocal about mm-hmm. it. It's just... Right. It's the quiet head nod. So it said this, you know, Ed Firmage was a pacifist and he wanted peace. And he met, like it says, dozens of times with Spencer W. Kimball to try to dissuade him and say, no, we don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. We don't want to do this. And so he did talk them out of endorsing it. And then, and I loved the quote um, that the first presidency released and they wrote this and it was sent uh, to Ronald Reagan at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, they had written a statement and said, our fathers came to this Western area to establish a base from which to carry the gospel of peace to the peoples of the earth. It is ironic and a denial of the very essence of the gospel that in this same general area, there should be constructed a mammoth weapons system potentially capable of destroying much of civilization. So they had some strong words. And then as soon as they... Those are some very... You don't hear that kind of language these days. We are much more toned down. I know. So as soon as they came out with this statement, of course, the Utah politicians... They all fell in line. ...jumped on board and said, no, we're not going to have this in our state. So anyway, the whole deal fell through and the government didn't end up like developing this missile system anyways but it was just you know interesting to see this man's contributions and then also i guess um he was really into the civil rights movement and women's rights he just did a lot of good and his grandfather was hubie brown 
and it talks about how he was greatly influenced by his grandfather as far as like his political views and his passions so he did you know a lot of it sounds like behind the scenes work in utah um during his era so well another fascinating thing about this article is you know it does seem to indicate that he gets more than one audience with president kimball Oh, yeah. And, you know, and obviously, you know, the church was smaller and things were less complicated in the 70s. But, yeah, I can't imagine anybody today, you know, on a political issue like this, getting an audience with President Nelson, let alone several audiences with President Nelson. And interesting that they were so open to listening to his advice when he was obviously a very well outspoken Democrat. Yeah. And leaned more liberal yeah. on policies than probably the church yeah. itself, but they wanted his advice. Yeah. Shows you how, you know, you can work together. <laughs> so. Working together in civility. I don't recall what that was like. It's very inspiring, isn't it? It is very inspiring because I'm hoping that someday we can return mm-hmm. to that. But at the moment, I don't hold out a lot of hope. Yeah. All right, so our next story, we are going to move a little north from Salt Lake Mm -hmm. to the thriving metropolis of Rexburg, home to BYU-Idaho. Oh, I love a good BYU-Idaho story. Yes, as I (laughs) let out a long sigh. So, some enterprising students at BYU-Idaho decided hey, let's expose ourselves to the COVID and let's get COVID because then, because we're young, it really won't be that big of a deal for Mm -hmm. us. And then we will get antibodies and then we can donate our plasma. And instead of making $25 for a plasma donation, we can make $200 for a plasma donation if we have the antibodies against the COVID. (laughs) I got to say, when I read this, I was like, oh, it's kind of genius, awful, but genius. <laughs> like, who would have thought of that? Exactly. But obviously, very, very dumb idea. So, supposedly, there were some parties that were advertised as having at least one COVID-positive person there mm-hmm. if you wanted to expose yourself. Now, the university came down on this rather harshly. Mm -hmm. The university said that if we can confirm you have done this, knowingly exposed yourself because you want to sell your plasma, you will be suspended and possibly permanently dismissed from BYU, Idaho. We're not messing around Mm -hmm. with COVID. But, you know, here's what's really interesting. So... Just in our COVID numbers today, when I was watching the news, the highest place in the state, there were 92 cases, positive cases Mm -hmm. reported in Madison County today, which population wise, Madison County is teeny, 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 tiny compared to the county that we live in here Mm -hmm. in, in Ada County in Boise. And so, you know, on a, on a per capita basis. And I think it was like that one day last week too. Exactly. It's, it's it's spreading, raging over there. And I don't know if, if, if it's still intentionally spreading or it's just, it, Mm -hmm. it started out and now it's like a snowball rolling downhill and it's just picking up Picking up momentum, yeah. but uh, well, it's you- interesting because both BYUI and BYU Provo, who did the joint statement with UVU, yes. 
couple weeks ago, both of them put out very strong statements saying, you know, knock it off or we're going to move to completely online classes. And I haven't heard, is, has it gotten any better in Provo? You know, I haven't heard much about Provo, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really sure. But, um, you know, just because I've just been so aghast at the numbers that are coming out of Madison County and the Rexburg area that, uh, you know, I wonder if they are going to be moving to online pretty quickly. I know that they did give their students the option this semester that if they mm-hmm. wanted to do online, they could do online because my daughter, Lauren, at Utah State, her roommate, her room roommate, is a girl who's actually attending BYU Idaho, mm-hmm. but doing it all online, mm. just out of Logan instead of out of Eagle. <laughs> so go figure. Well, you can live where you want when you have online class. But at least, at least in Logan, as of yet, they're not they're not behaving they're not engaging in the risky behavior that is being found in Rexburg. So <laughs> yeah, maybe that was a very good decision. <laughs> Might have been a very good decision. Oh goodness. Okay. We're back to politics again. Okay. Also a little unavoidable right now, just like the COVID. <sighs> Very so, true. So um, <clears throat> this was an article. Where was this article? In the Tribune? I think it was in the Tribune. Um, another article. And we've seen several yes. uh, come out in recent months about the election, uh, Trump versus Biden, and what a key role the LDS population in Arizona is playing. Um, this just fascinates me because when have we ever been a key population in an election? And I know it's only like a few of us in Arizona, but yes, it kind of feels like we're the bell of the ball, right? Well, I mean, you look at the big centers of of population of members of the church, obviously Utah, Utah is going to go red Republican regardless. Idaho, right. Idaho is going to go red Republican regardless. It's not even close. California. Um, in certain sectors of California, but not large enough to make any dent in the Democratic uh, sway in California. Mm -hmm. But Arizona, Arizona is one of those on the bubble states, you know, and they go back and forth with Republicans and Democrats in their key offices. So it's really interesting. They gave some interesting just numbers, statistics here. Uh, they said there are about 437,000 members of the church in Arizona, but that also includes children. Okay. So obviously not all of those are voting members. But it said in 2016, Trump only won by 91,000 votes. Yeah, wow. So that really could, the members of the church there really could sway it. So, And then they said from exit polling in 2016, it showed that 56% of church members supported Trump, um, which was way less support than he received from other faiths. Um, But it really could go either way because, you know, and we see this everywhere with church members. There, you know, some members support Trump because he is shaking up the government and the church, like members of the church have a really rocky relationship with the government in our history. Yes, we do. Uh, Also, people are standing behind him because of his conservative policies. Uh, But then the church itself diverges from him on several policies, immigration and refugees. It is always interesting for the... Uh, I am always a Trumper no matter what when the church breaks away on some of his policy issues because it really does put them in a quandary. <laughs> it's like, it's just fascinating. It the, is fascinating. The whole thing fascinates me. And um, 
It's interesting. And I'm also super jealous. My sister-in-law lives and my in-laws uh-huh. that live in Arizona. And she is a young suburban mother who's also LDS. I'm like, you are like... There, that's like the dream demographic. You are the coveted vote for in both your state. the Biden and the Trump campaign. I know. I'm so jealous. I'm always like, like she could get some serious being sucked up to. I know. I'm always like, what does it feel like to have your vote count? I know. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, anyways, it's just really interesting to me that we're getting a little bit of media attention over this. It's very true. So. Actually, I should say a lot of media attention because mm-hmm. there was another article I saw in addition to that where they spoke with some very specific individuals who Mm -hmm. said, you know, some of which said, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016, but I'm voting for him now. Mm -hmm. And these were individuals who were members of the church. Other individuals said, I voted for him in 2016, but I'm not voting for him now. And Mm -hmm. here's why I'm not voting for him now. Uh, All all of these individuals had essentially been lifelong Republicans. Mm -hmm. And so um, just very, very interesting to see how this, how this all plays out. Yeah, it is. I would love numbers when it's all over. Oh, I know. Like for every like numbers on the church. I know. Church members. You know. I'm just so curious. Like BYU, their political science department uh-huh. always does an amazing exit poll in Utah. I say send those BYU students down to Arizona yes. because I think you're going to get far more interesting uh, results from your exit polling in Arizona yeah. versus, you know, the same thing that you get in Utah every year. Right. Well, I would love to see those numbers in every state for oh, church yeah. members. You know, I'm just exactly. so curious. It's just interesting. But, you know, anybody who does exit polling, they're really not going to, you know, unless you're BYU, right. probably not going to be asking. They're about not really going to ask that question. Religious affiliation. <laughs> so anyway. All right, let's move on to our next article, which is, um, you may recall from conference that that Matthew Holland, Mm -hmm. son of Elder Holland, spoke in addition to Elder Holland speaking. Yes. And so this was in LDS Living, and the article was, have a father and son ever spoken in the same general conference? Okay, I'm really curious because I haven't read this article yet, and my husband and I actually asked each other that exact question as we were watching. Has this ever happened before? Yes. So tell me, has it? It has. Oh, it there has. are three examples. Um, actually, LDS Living took it from an article that Tad Walsh for the Deseret News did. But there's three examples of when father and son have spoken at the same conference. Okay. So Boyd K. Packer, when he was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and his son, Alan F. Packer of the Seventy, both spoke in April 2009 and the October 2014 conferences. Oh. So really, not that long ago. I don't remember that, and I should be old enough. Like, I, I should remember that. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, and then President Gordon B. Hinckley and his son, Elder Richard G. Hinckley of the 70, both spoke in April 2006. Okay. Now, here is what's really interesting. This is not the first time that Matt Holland and Jeff Holland have spoken in conference together. In April 1983, when Matt Matt Holland was 16 years old, um, he spoke with his father, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, at conference. If I recall correctly, I think it was a priesthood session he spoke at. I was going to say, they're letting 16-year-olds speak in conference? Yeah, it was was at a priesthood session, if I recall, that they spoke together at a a priesthood session. So, yes, we would not have, per se, been privy to that. Very interesting. But, um, you know, here's what's really interesting. You look at them, and, and they look 
you know, you can see the familial yeah, I resemblance. Was, I was noticing some similarities while he was speaking. But yesterday, I was on the computer and I was playing around with Family Search, and my husband was sitting, I don't know, 10, 20 feet away from me, mm-hmm. and he was, he had a conference talk up, and he was listening to this conference talk. And, um, I thought he was listening to Elder Holland. And at the end of the conference talk, he says something about, you know, how does a guy this young know this, understand this, da 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 I can't remember what Ollie was saying. And I was like, well, Jeff Holland's old. And he's like, no, this was his son, Matt. I did not realize how similar their voices were Mm -hmm. until I was audibly listening to it. And not seeing it. And not seeing it. They have very similar voices okay now i'm gonna have to go back and so listen. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go back and listen and you know just kind of a fun fact when i was at byu in the 80s mm-hmm. um political science was my minor and matt holland was uh political science was his major so oh. i i i knew him he was an acquaintance he was an acquaintance from byu oh. his dad was also the president of the university well, that's what at I was the gonna time ask. isn't that when his dad was oh yeah in? oh so and everybody so knew who he was every, he he was big man on campus <laughs> anyway but a him very, and steve young him and Steve Young. Weren't you yes. also in school with Steve Young? Yes, I. I uh, when Steve Young went to law school, he I had classes with him in law school. So um, Matt Holland, a very lovely individual. All so. right, very good. All right, what is next? Oh, this is a fun little article. Oh yes. <laughs> so this was a Huffington Post article, and Harry Reid confirms federal government covered up UFOs for years. So you know our Harry Reid, you know LDS senator from Nevada. Well, and I might say Democratic senator from Nevada, and there are some Republicans that think he should be excommunicated because he's a Democrat. (laughs) Right. But we will go into that because this story doesn't deal with that. So he claims the U.S. government has been hiding key details about UFOs for years uh, there's a new documentary that came out called The Phenomenon, and he's interviewed in this documentary where he talks about it. Uh, and he says that most of it hasn't seen the light of day, most of what the government has knows about this. And he feels that it should be brought into light, it should be studied, it should be further looked at. Interesting. So the film examines the history of UFO sightings in the United States and abroad. And uh, they ha- it says that they have new details about military-confirmed encounters off the coast. Interesting. And some other details about a 1967 report um, in which an object appeared over a U.S. missile base. So, and and then I think when it appeared oh, over the missile at base, at the same time, ten of the missiles became, became inoperative. inoperative. This sounds like a sci-fi movie. It does sound <laughs> like a sci-fi movie, and you know, I mean, it kind of, you know, let's let's put it in an LDS perspective, okay? <laughs> we know that there are other worlds out there. You know, as much as we narcissistically like to think that planet Earth is the center of the universe, uh-huh. planet Earth is not the center of the universe. We know that there's a lot of other worlds out there. So. You know, what are these UFOs? You know, are they from other worlds? Are there civilizations that are more advanced than us? Or are they... Right. uh, You know, what are they? You know, I mean, I have a hard time believing that, you know, given how vast our universe is, that there could be anything that could travel like that. Yeah. Short of, you know, 
however it works on the other side of yeah, the veil. I don't, I don't know. I'm not there yet. I don't know, but I want to watch this documentary. I know. Now, now I do really want to watch and the documentary. It says, you know, he has become Harry Reid since he's not in office anymore has become increasingly outspoken about mm. because he served on this classified committee exactly. that was examining the U the UFO thing with the government and he's becoming increasingly, you know, coming out. Local. Well, and he's not so. releasing the classified information, but no. he can't do that. But he is certainly alluding he's, to it. He's trying to nudge like, "Come on." <laughs> very, very interesting. <laughs> Okay. So I hope he accomplishes his mission. Uh, well, you know, it would be interesting to know what he knows and yeah. the classified information. All right. So the next article I have is from the Salt Lake Tribune, and it is about the LDS Church's Northern Utah Ranch is provide is proving to be a model for Western livestock grazing. Okay. So... We grew up in the West here. We are very familiar with federal lands and BLM and grazing mm -hmm. permits and all of that. And, of course, there's a lot of controversy in the West about those grazing permits and how the land is being used and if it's being sustained and managed and if that contributes to wildfires and all mm -hmm. sorts of other stuff. So, um, obviously, environmentalists are on one side of the coin and ranchers are on another side of the coin. However... This model that the church has done with their ranch in northern Utah is providing a great example of how you can balance the needs of the environmentalists with also the needs to have the land be productive. Mm -hmm. So the church owns more than 200,000 acres of ranching land and wildlife land in Rich County along the Wyoming border. And so they do several things with this land. They First of all, they have 4,000 head of cattle on this land. And these are all mamas who per, each produce a cow a year. So, okay. they've, so they've got their 4,000 head of cattle, but then they also have... 4,000 cattle that are born every year oh. as well. So we, we got a we're lot of... We're doubling our population. We're doubling our population. And obviously, a certain number of those proceed off and become the beef that we eat, so okay. to speak. Okay. So, but in addition to that, they've got a lot of wild game on this land mm -hmm. and they get hunting permits from uh, uh, Utah Division of Wildlife Resources and they're able to sell those hunting permits and they have guided hunting tours that come in mm -hmm. and tour on their land as well. But what they have discovered is if they use this system of innovative rotational grazing, it actually helps protect the land and make them more productive and sustainable. And it says that um, at Deseret Land and Livestock, they want to be su sustainable producers is their foundational principle and permeates everything they do. Hmm. And I'm like, that is so in line with how the church thinks yeah. is, you know, the Lord has given us these resources and our responsibility is to be good stewards of those resources. Mm -hmm. We need, we can use the resources, but we need to not waste the resources. So they've developed this whole system where they have, let me see here, I highlighted it. It's very cool. Is it like they rotate where the cattle are on e the land? Exactly. So they have, um, where is it here? So what they do is they have, um, it's called rest rotation, okay? Mm -hmm. And so they have perfected it. And so what happens is if a piece of land is grazed in the springtime by the cattle, 
it will rest for a year before it's used again. And so they have all of these parcels where they rotate the cattle, but they make sure that when the cattle go there, it's had a season mm-hmm. to rest. And they have discovered that by doing that, they're not overgrazing their lands and the plants are able to naturally mm-hmm. regenerate and regrow. And right. it's not only healthy for the plants, but it's healthy for all of the different species that occupy that land as well. And so um, the in 2018, the U.S. Forest Service and Bureau of Land Management um, approved a plan that is going to be similar mm-hmm. with some BLM lands to what, and the Forest Service lands, to what the church does so that they have this rotational grazing. Um, because it does say here that, Here's where it is. They have 100 pastures through which the ranch's six herds rotate. Three-fourths are in dry uplands that grow grasses in early spring and late fall. The remaining pastures are on irrigated meadows. Interesting. Yeah, and I saw in the article they had quoted some other ranchers that were working on a plan to combine their land exactly together so they have enough land to do a similar rotation and, and then just keep their cows together and rotating exactly because it's been it's been Mm -hmm. so successful and to me what i liked about this article is again i mean we see so much divisiveness these days Mm -hmm. in politics the environmentalists the ranchers never the two shall meet Mm -hmm. to be able to see you know you can come together on these issues and you can accomplish goals Mm -hmm. that satisfy both parties and make you a good steward of the land. So yeah. again, this was an article in our contentious political environment that gives me hope that things can be done Very wisely. good. I like it. Me too. Okay. Uh, next one is business time. Wait, what is this called? Business travel news. Yes. Is the name of this publication where yes. we got this article from. <laughs> so they ranked uh, the 2020 corporate travel top 100. Yes. Top 100 companies or organizations that are doing the most corporate travel. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is number 44. Folks, that's kind of impressive. That's because this, pretty high up. This is not just in America. This is globally. Right. To be globally 44th on the list for travel, that's crazy. Yeah, that's totally crazy. But then you think about it. And, you know, at first I was thinking, wow, the general authorities are traveling a lot. And then I was like, oh, but this is missionaries missionaries. as well. So it says um, in 2019, the church booked 93 million in U.S. air volume. Wow. 139 million in global air volume. Wow. So... That's big money. And then it also went through the list. If you're curious to look at look at it, it says, you know, who is their primary hotel supplier? Who is the primary rental car supplier? Airlines. Uh, what airlines, what banks they use the most. So it was just fascinating uh, to see. Really interesting. And it did say this year um, they were going, they were expecting to climb up to maybe 95 million. Um, but COVID-19 has changed travel plans, so it may be less than what they estimated. But Well, I would think that it would probably be significantly less because, mm-hmm. first of all, you don't have general authorities that are traveling. Right. And even though the missionaries make up the large percentage of this, mm-hmm. you know, you have general, you have not only the Quorum of the Twelve, but a lot of 70s. A lot of those 70s are traveling every single weekend 
and theoretically probably doing it on an airplane. Right. So none of them are traveling. So they're off the list. Yeah. And then you think about the missionaries. So they obviously had a lot of expense in getting all the missionaries back home. Right. But, and then they had to send them out again. But at the same time... There were so many months. There were so many months where they wouldn't have had travel. And when they started sending them out again, the price of airline tickets has significantly decreased. Yeah. Because nobody's flying. So... But then you've got, as countries open up, so they've flown a missionary to Ohio, and then Japan opens up, and then they got to fly him to That's Japan. True. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see. But I just thought it was super interesting that we're ranked 44. I know. I would not have guessed and that. And I was trying to see who was, like, the number one, but the website froze up, and it wouldn't let me see. Well, But I'm that's... curious, like, what other companies are surrounding us on this list. That's just rude. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well... Um, now let's do some quick shout outs, um, on, a, on a few things here before we move on to, uh, Mormons behaving badly and our favorite things. Okay. So a couple of different shout outs. There was an article that came out in the Deseret News. Um, and this, uh, says apostolic asides, 29 brief insights from footnotes, Latter-day Saint leaders added to conference talks. So, as you know, when a conference talk mm-hmm. is published, they uh, the leaders can add some footnotes. And uh, it was really interesting because it said, among publications cited by church leaders in their footnotes for this conference, so meaning the one we just had a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. in addition to scriptures and church magazines, there were quotes from the Wall Street Journal, Foreign Affairs, The Economist, The Atlantic, Christianity Today, the Babylonian Talmud, the New Strong's Expanded Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible, the Deseret News, CNN.com, and European Journal of Population and Church News. Very interesting. I see no Fox News on there. I see no Fox (laughs) News on there. But there is CNN. How do we feel about this? Hmm. How do some people feel about this? Yes, I know how we feel about this. <laughs> but does that shake your testimony that they're quoting <laughs> CNN and not Fox News? If it does, you have some issues. What I think is very interesting is they quote the Deseret News. And you may recall there is a senator from Utah, none other than Mike Lee, who thinks that the church needs to divest itself of ownership of the church news because it's turned into a liberal rag. <laughs> Now, um, that's all I'm going to say on that. Anyway, so. (laughs) We have gotten way too political in this one. We really have. Too many politics. Too many politics. Get this election over and then we can talk about something else. Anyway, so it is a very interesting article Mm -hmm. if you want it because it picks out some very specific footnotes from conference and gives you kind of some background on what some of the apostles say. And so it's, 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 it's interesting. Very interesting. Okay, this next one. I personally found fascinating. Apparently, there's a marijuana bill up in Arizona. Yes. To legalize marijuana in Arizona. And the church has come out against it. Which is not surprising because they've done that in other states. This is why I found it so interesting. Because it listed the other states they've done this in. Um, They strongly came out against it and said, you know, don't, please don't vote for this as members of the church. We don't think this is good for society. Uh, They have also opposed initiatives in California and Nevada. Well, I was living in Oregon when our ballot initiative Uh came up. That was 2014. Okay. Your ballot initiative to legalize legalize marijuana in Oregon, which passed. It's legal there. Yes. Um, There was not a peep. 
Interesting. Isn't that interesting? So when I read this article, I was like, oh, they're coming out strong. But I noticed that these other ones where they've come out strong, the California and Nevada, they were in 2016. Yes. Ours was 2014. I know Colorado was even before Oregon. So I wonder if after a couple of states did it, the church decided to take a a stronger stand on it. Or when you look at these three states, Arizona, California, and Nevada, Mm -hmm. those states all have a significantly higher population of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints than Oregon. So maybe it wasn't even worth saying anything in Oregon because you can't sway the vote. Well, and then Utah had its own Mm -hmm. ballot initiative, which did pass by 52.7%, but the legislature... Although the ballot initiative passed, the legislature has refused to enact any legislation to support the ballot initiative, which is why I don't believe there's any marijuana in, 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 in Utah. I could be wrong about that, but I think that that's why you can't go to Utah and find a dispensary. Hmm. Well, actually, in Utah, it never was for a dispensary. It was for medical oh, marijuana. It was just for medical. It was for medical marijuana, and they won't even let that get. I, I don't. I don't think hmm. they did. I can't. I. I can't remember it because I remember there was some hang up with the legislature. I could be wrong. Maybe there's medical marijuana hmm. in Arizona, or in uh, in Utah right now. You know, I'm. I'm. You can tell this is an issue I feel so passionately about. <laughs> Anyway, it's interesting. It is always interesting when the church comes out strongly on a ballot initiative because it doesn't happen very often. No, it does not. It does not. In fact, we just got read the talk in church. Not the talk, the letter. The letter. The annual letter. Please vote. Vote Vote your conscience. Vote your conscience. Vote vote for people that you think uphold your values. The letter. Yeah. Okay, our next shout out is again speaking of politics because yeah, you nailed it. We're we're political tonight. For um, those of you who watched the vice presidential debate, and you may recall that the vice presidential debate took place at the University of Utah mm-hmm. in none other than Salt Lake City, and that I believe was last week. I don't know when it was. Who it knows was, anymore? I, <laughs> I do think it was last week. I think it was but last also week too. conference feels like a year ago. I know. So. I, COVID has just warped time <laughs> and my perception of time. Anyway, towards the end of the debate, they took some questions, and these were questions that people had submitted. And so one of the questions that was posed, they said, Brecklin from Springville Junior High School in Springville, Utah asks, and then it proceeded on with her question. I didn't hear her question at all because I was too focused on Brecklin. How much of a Utah name is Brecklin? (laughs) Where else in America would you find the name Brecklin? See our May podcast of two and a half years ago where we talked about baby names yes, and Utah. The baby names podcast. Yep. That's they got they got the most Utah name they could. They got the most <laughs> Utah name they could. So shout out shout out to Brecklin for submitting your question and having a very Utah name. Okay. All right, one more shout out. This is we've discussed before. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is coming out what November eleventh, maybe. November eleventh is the D Day, so um, to speak, because that's Veterans Day. It's yes, kind of funny. They have been dropping all kinds of promotional materials. Oh yes. So if you're interested, go watch. Um, disclaimer though, don't get mad at us. <laughs> Because they are super, really, really focusing on the church issue. Like, I've never seen... 
And these ladies really are Mormon. They're kind of Mormon adjacent. They're kind of half in, a couple of them, half in, half out. And a couple. I don't even know if I'd give them that much credit. A couple are all the way out. Yeah. (laughs) But um, there's all kinds of promotional material if you want to go view. But I have to say, I I was telling you, I showed it to some of my friends, some of my friends a few weeks ago that don't typically watch Housewives. Uh And they were mildly horrified, yet intrigued. Ooh. And so we can't talk too much about housewives on here because I'm pretty sure Jeff will like be like, get out of here. But, but you and I are going to watch it together. We are going to watch. And I think it would be hilarious if we did a spinoff podcast all about the housewives of Salt Lake City and we titled it Mildly Horrified but Intrigued. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the perfect name for a podcast? That is the perfect name about for a Salt Lake City Housewives. Mildly horrified but intrigued. I don't think there's any better way to describe it. That's a good one. That is a really good one. Anyway, maybe. Maybe. We'll have to see if Jeff will let us. <laughs> anyway, what's next? All right, we're going to go on to Mormons Behaving Badly, one of our favorite segments. So, um, Our lead story tonight in Mormons Behaving Badly is there was a gentleman by the name of Thomas Michael Wallen who was booked into the Salt Lake County Jail for investigation of aggravated sexual abuse of a minor with three counts of sexual exploitation of a minor. Now... How is what is the Mormon tie here? Mm. Ugh, the Mormon tie is disgusting. Really bad. So he admitted to the officers that he inappropriately touched a young child at church during a funeral and filmed the abuse. It's like horrifying. It's parents' worst nightmare. It's parents' worst nightmare. It's It's beyond horrifying. Lock him up. Mm -hmm. All right. Should we move on to our favorite things? Yes. All right. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I will go first. So my favorite thing this month is something that has been aiding me in the control of devices that are now in my house due to online school or or variations of hybrid and online school. Fair enough. (laughs) There is an influx of devices in my home now, as most homes in America. Yes. My oldest is 13 all the way down to, you know, I've got the two-year-old, but uh, my three that are in school are on devices at various times every day at some point doing homework or we've been online. We've been back at, we've been. You've been all over the place. We've been all over the place with school this year. So um, we were starting to just get super freaked out about, um, controlling these devices and you know we've set up rules like you can't do your homework stuff in your bedroom you've got to be yeah. downstairs um but also just the sheer amount of time they're in yeah. front of screens is troublesome i know every parent in america is feeling that right now so we finally got the circle probably a lot of people had heard of this because i had several friends that have talked about it for years it's done by disney it's called okay. the disney circle have you heard of this vaguely you hook it up to your router and it serves a as a filter okay so any device that's on your router can be filtered because okay. we had a filter before on our computer okay but the filter didn't work for you know the phones and the ipads, iPads yeah. and all the things so this filters anything through your router and you can set up different parameters but the thing i love about it you can see every device that's hooked onto your wi-fi you can pause it at any time so i just feel like it's giving me a little bit more control Uh like i can have all of the ipads paused and then i can unpause them or like 
if I'm out running an errand and my oldest daughter finishes her schoolwork uh-huh. on her Chromebook and then wants to go watch Netflix on yeah. our TV, she can call and say, hey, I got my work done and I can unpause the TV ah. so she can go watch it on the TV and she can't be watching Netflix on the TV while I'm away. Ah. <laughs> so, so it's the pausing and the unpausing of all the devices. It makes oh. me feel like slightly in control in this very uncontrollable time. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. The circle. I highly recommend. All right. Well, my favorite thing is a video that is out on YouTube. And this has gotten a lot of play on social media. Many of you have probably already seen it. There is a bishopric in the Highland 19th Ward, which is in Utah. And they took Billy Joel's song, which is called For the Longest Time. They rewrote the lyrics to it, and they invited all of their ward members to come back to church to these lyrics. So not only do they sing it, and they harmonize in it, they've got really good video. Like they have a video of them like walking into the church at the end and their lyrics are so clever Uh and their video is so well done and they have a bass singer that is like mind blowing. It's really cute. It's so cute. And um, like they say, like here's some of the lyrics. Now we have some good news for you all. Church resumes at each week, at least this fall. Ain't that exciting? Spread the word and start inviting. This hasn't happened for the longest time. <laughs> and it is just, it's so adorable. And I have to tell you, every time I'm feeling a little politically ragey or COVID ragey, I'm watching their video because it calms me down and it puts a smile on my face. And uh, their video has, they say their video has gotten far more play than they expected. It has, it's had 432. 2,000 hits on YouTube, Mm. and I am just going to play a little snippet of it here so you can hear how good they are. So so good. They have such good voices. They really do. It's kind of amazing. Is that like a requirement to be in that bishopric? I don't know, but I was at a ward party on uh, on Saturday night. Yes, we did have a harvest party. It was outside. And I asked my bishop if he'd seen the video, and he said yes. And I was like, dude, that's the standard. You better buck up. <laughs> He's like, but I don't have a bass singer. And I'm like, well, then you better go find one and put him in your bishopric because they've set the bar, and it's high. Oh, those Utah saints. I know. Always outdoing us. So, <laughs> yes, I mean, they just look like they'd just be a really fun bishopric and a... Uh, a fun ward to be in if you've got that kind of leadership. So Yeah, it was a cute video. If you want something to make you smile, go watch the video. All right. Okay. I think we are about out of time. Uh, tune in next week for the big 500th episode bash. Yes. Next week, we, you and I are doing episode 499, even as we speak. And next week, we will, Twim will hit the 500th episode. And so Jeff's going to have a little party. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do. He's got a whole bunch of contributors and hosts that are going to help out. And so, yes. Should be fun. It should be fun. So please join us again next week. And for those of you who want to reach out, you can always uh, email at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. We are on the Facebook. We are on the Twitter. We are on the Instagram. And of course, if you feel are feeling extra generous, get on Patreon, Patreon and donate even just a buck a month to keep the lights on. We'd appreciate it. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night.